around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast for the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. That's the energy, Ben. I'm Adam Pranica. Oh, you're having fun doing this, I see. People rely on us. I know. I know. I shouldn't hide my light under a bushel. You're hiding your light under a toilet, Ben. You've been sick for weeks. Yeah. I'm at the point now where I'm ready to just poke you with a mic stand to see if... <laughs> See if you're still alive over there. Yeah, you hold the screen of an iPod under my nose to see if if vapor appears on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Boy, things are pretty dire. Over I don't there. want to turn this into Ben is always sick cast. I don't want to either, but I also want to uh, like. Here's what here's what we don't want. We don't want hmm. people making uninformed guesses about what's happening over here. <laughs> in relation to us or the show. Bad things happen when people make uninformed guesses about things that are happening regarding us and the show. I mean, bad things happen when we make uninformed guesses <laughs> all the time. So you right. multiply that out by the thousands of Friends of DeSoto, oh, the tens ten, of thousands of tens Friends of, of DeSoto. Tens of thousands, for sure. Close to six-figure thousands. Yeah. We thought it was six figures at one point, but then we found out that the stats gathering yeah. part of the, yeah, the hosting service we were using was uh, was juking. The stats measured from the butthole, and yeah. uh, and now we've got <laughs> we've got five digits of of uh, subscribers. It was like that time Facebook was revealed to have fraudulently completely upended the media marketplace. Yeah, it's why everyone pivoted to video. I remember that. Yeah. I was a casualty of that. I yeah. went to a I went to work for a company that had completely re-strategized around a putting videos on Facebook agenda, and uh, that company does not exist anymore. Well, based on the condition of your health, I'd say uh, you never regained consciousness. <laughs> ben is still dead. Yeah, uh, I got schismed. <laughs> I had food poisoning or something. That's all. That's it. That's all it is. That's all it was. But it got me, man. It, two two different nights, non-consecutive, of being up all night with gastric distress. Two things make me feel better lately, whenever I'm feeling a little down and out, just outside of Beverly Hills. Are they both thinking about me being sicker than you are? <laughs> no, it's it's the show. A reliable Aww. source of, of joy and health, but also Lower Decks, man. Yeah. Lower Decks makes me feel better every time yeah. I watch it. I got to tell you, Ben, I recently walked in on my wife uh -huh. watching Lower Decks. No kidding. I couldn't have been more surprised than I was in that moment. The only thing that would surprise me more than that would be me walking in on my wife watching Lower Decks, which is an unthinkable scenario. <laughs> this is the extreme limit of, of yeah. surprise for me. Right. And she was enjoying it. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we got a, we got a natural Lower Decks fan in the house due to nothing that I've done over here. You know, I, I keep my business to myself. I'm not trying to... 
force yeah. Star Trek onto anyone. But you did get household. the the Paramount Plus streaming service and make it available. So you did have something to do with this. Well, here's the thing about that streaming app is uh, I would say that having the app does not make anything necessarily available to you in any <laughs> conventional way. <laughs> it's like yeah, you're in well, a bank, but like none of the money, like all the money isn't available to you when you walk into a bank. That's true. Yeah. You do have to jump through some hoops. Um, yeah. Well, Adam, does this episode bring you as much joy as the greatest discovery and Lower Decks writ large? We got to find out by reviewing it. That's right, Ben. Let's get into it right now. That's an okie dokie from me, buddy. Bring in the energy <laughs> into Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 10. First, first, contact. We're in space dock, and we meet Captain Sonia Gomez. Adam? Doesn't this give you a lot of hope? Like, it doesn't matter how you humiliate yourself professionally. <laughs> Don't necessarily take becoming captain off of the table for yourself. Sonia no. Gomez really spilled coffee on the worst possible person on the D back when we last saw her. And yeah. look at her now. She did it. She's still she drinking all coffee. Away. She didn't take it out on the coffee. No, she still trusts coffee. Alicia Naff back doing the voice for this character. Yeah. That's got to be fun, right? Yeah. You got to think 30 years ago that your time of playing this character might be over. It was not. It was no. not. Her ship has sidled up next to the Cerritos because they're going to go on a mission together. But it's the sort of mission where like the cool ship gets to do the cool stuff. And the yeah. Cerritos gets to hang out outside. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this like? <laughs> you know what it's like is like that time that uh, Klingon Larry David felt bad for his chauffeur being stuck out in the car. And he's like, I will go into the restaurant and order you something and bring it out so that you can eat it in the car. Yeah. A pretty ignominious mission for the Cerritos, but also an auspicious mission for the reason that it is Freeman's last. That's right. It's uh, auspicious <laughs> is what this one is. Yeah. Freeman's husband busts out the champs. Yeah. and Champagne it... for my real wife. <laughs> wife pain for my real champs. You know, it's great that Admiral Freeman pours Gomez's champagne and then takes two very dramatic steps back from her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's never going to live that down. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she might have made captain, but the reputation's still there. It haunts her. <laughs> yeah. I bet there's no carpet on the Archimedes for that yeah, reason. They, <laughs> it's all uh, a very porous and hard-serviced floor. It's just mesh. It's mesh yeah. everywhere. It's that like rubber submarine. stuff that you put down on a on the floor of like a like a back bar, right? You know? <laughs> so that it doesn't get slippery if someone spills. Freeman in the moment seems pretty enthusiastic about getting her big break, but really outside does. the meeting, she continues her conversation with Gomez, and it is apparent that she has concerns about her friends and coworkers on the ship and what's going to happen to them. And yeah. this is a conversation that's overheard by Mariner. Mariner, who's slinking around the ship with a 
crate full of contraband Romulan ale. She's just bumped into Jennifer, had her customary frictious reaction to seeing Jennifer, and then overhears this shit and is immediately down in uh, in the hangout bay to spill this tea to Tendi, Rutherford, and Boimler. Rutherford is having all kinds of problems with his implant here. Yeah. Visual, though. it doesn't. Nothing stops him from hearing this news. One and, of many times in this episode that we go to Rutherford POV. Yeah. And it's like an error message that's just like superimposed over his field of view. It's like a big sticker. It's like, yeah. hello, my name is this problem with your implant. Or like a, you know website that's that wants you to put your email in for a five percent discount on your first purchase and it's like fuck you i just want to see if these shorts are good or porn just lots and lots of porn (laughs) pop-ups yeah everyone gets their bite out of this news apple though right like boims hears it but kind of doesn't hear it because he's in the middle of celebrating captain freeman day with the construction of a banner which like it doesn't affect him at all because she is still worthy of celebration maybe even more so now yeah i mean he's like maybe stressed that you might have to make his banner faster so that they can celebrate before she leaves and tendy remains excited about a celebration of any kind and specifically about the celebration potential of Freeman getting her promotion. Mariner does not see the positives here. She is arguing for this sucks. We could get a writing crop captain. We have no, like, have you seen any Star Trek movies? There are very few cool captains in this this organization. It's really true. They don't allow Kirk to be placed in proximity to anyone even half cool. You've got Captain Rulebook, you've got Captain Ridingcrop, you've got Admiral Cartwright. I mean, like, the upper crust of Starfleet is full of douchebags and idiots. It's too bad they didn't give Kirk's Mac his Dylan from Predator, you know? Like, <laughs> like the guy that he rarely interacts with, but you know is out there. Like, the buddy cop that he's not partners with. Yeah, right. We never get that. It's true. Are they just not confident in Kirk's coolness? <laughs> as a writing exercise? I don't know. I mean... Because I'll tell like... you who uh, who that captain is. He's a writing crop. <laughs> Not a writing crop, Ben. Mm. Know what I'm saying? Mm. Are your ears a little bit stuffed up? I'm not fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the drama has kicked off and Boimler suggests, like, you're already spilling this tea... Why don't you go spill it to someone who can do something about it? Yeah. And Mariner's like, great idea, and runs off. And Boimler's like, oh, fuck, that's actually a terrible idea. Mariner, oh, that wasn't my idea. <laughs> and tries to stop her in the hallway, and then for some reason runs the opposite direction that she runs. Yeah. Which I didn't really get. Mariner is off to, like, drive a shuttlecraft over a fire hydrant filled with tea. <laughs> <laughs> She am become chaos agent in this moment. She really does. Her eyes almost roll back into her head. Lifeless eyes. Black eyes like a doll's eyes. So another alert message gag for Rutherford while he's talking to Tendi, who's off to uh, to meet with Dr. Katz. Her name is Dr. Tana. And he believes he, she's still in the room because that's how obscured his vision is. But we cut to the restaurant where Mariner... 
takes a seat with some senior bridge staff. It's uh, Billups, Shacks, and Ransom. And she drops the bomb. She walks up to the booth with like two pitchers of tea and then just (laughs) pours them over (laughs) onto the table. I thought this episode did a really nice job downshifting from total hijinks to like romantic starship majesty. Oh, yeah. Like this episode is really equal parts silly, funny comedy show and like high drama, high stakes Star Trek episode, you know? The thing that this show does not compromise on is how seriously it takes serious Star Trek stuff. Yeah. And by that, I'm talking about what you're talking about, all the cinematic stuff. It takes the cinematic stuff seriously and it leaves everything else able to be fucked with in a comedy way. And before seeing it and experiencing it for two seasons, I wouldn't have been sure about if those tastes would taste good together, but they really did. Hey! Oh, hey, you got your chocolate on my peanut you got butter! peanut butter on my chocolate! Is it weird that the crew eats and drinks on the Cerritos while docked at the Starbase, where they literally have Miriam food and drink options over there? <laughs> like, this is like going to a new city and eating at Subway, right? Yeah, yeah. What are they doing? Traveling internationally and getting McDonald's. I don't know. I mean, it, they may just be so close to shoving off that this is their only choice, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Well, they bring some some serious resentment up to the bridge when they are off on this mission. And the second they've cleared space dock, it kind of boils over and the bridge staff start kind of redressing how betrayed they feel to Captain Freeman. They feel like she left them out of this big thing, this big news and uh, she's leaving them all in the lurch. Does not feel good. It's funny how apparent, how quickly apparent a conflict with someone you work with has to be realized in a context like military or Starfleet or whatever, because mm-hmm. you have to interact with so many people simultaneously. Right. I feel like in a, in a typical office context, you wouldn't know you were in an argument with someone for possibly days after the other person <laughs> knew it, you know? Yeah. Oh, I let people know when I was in an office context. <laughs> I bet. I bet They you all did. knew that I hated them or didn't like working there. Where's diarrhea Ben? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Why isn't he at his desk? Guy spends hours in the bathroom. It's like, we know you're not working. <laughs> the next scene is where Tendi overhears Dr. Katz deleting her from the system and this is a horrible moment for tendy that's pretty clear she's not cut out for medical tendy is canceled and it's especially horrible for her because it's it seems to her and us to be without cause she didn't do anything to deserve this all we know about tendy in her career is what a tryhard she is yeah and and to overhear your boss saying she's not cut out for sick bay is a Real kick in the pants, and she does not meet with Dr. Katz. She runs down and tells Rutherford she's toast, and he is always the guy to put an optimistic spin on on a thing. He's like, well, if this is your last day, let's go take a tour around the ship. Go visit all your favorite spots. Let's make sure you see her one last time. Come on. Freeman has called the bridge crew into her ready room to discuss why everyone was acting so messed up towards her on the bridge in the last moment. And everyone in the bridge crew approaches the news with their own personality applied to the, to their reaction here. 
I was doing the math on who is in the room here. Is Boimler the only person on the bridge right now? <laughs> I mean, they're as safe as they're going to be inside Space Dock, right? <laughs> they'll know if there's something up because they'll just hear... <laughs> yeah, nice bit of restraint not cutting to the bridge and Lonely Boimler hearing Shax scream at her. <laughs> we got some fun confirmation on the Boimler scream, by the way. Did you see that on social media? I did. That's big fun. Yeah. Jack Quaid posted a video of himself producing the Boimler scream live. <laughs> Could you imagine producing that anytime you wanted? Could you imagine producing anything you wanted to produce whenever you wanted? <laughs> Wouldn't no. that be great? He makes it look so easy. I envy the hell out of it. I know. It's great. I wish I had one good trick. Yeah. Fucking sucks. Mariner's <laughs> invited to this meeting, though. Like, Boimler's outside, Mariner's inside. She's yeah. making that face like the smirking toddler with the house on fire behind her. <laughs> like she, she kind of caps off the scene with that look. And it's funny how expressive this cartoon can be sometimes with just a couple of lines. You think Billups is the most pissed and then Ransom finds out that this does not mean he just gets to slot up one. Yeah. And they are all fucking pissed now. No one's forgotten about Ransom's severed head and God powers <laughs> of early in the season. Starfleet Command is like, He's not quite ready. I think we need a riding crop guy yeah. to uh, rein this guy in. Yeah. So the ships warp to the lap system, Ben, and it looks like the Archimedes to me is like a sovereign class Enterprise E type of ship with a hood class undercarriage. I was really trying to figure <laughs> out what kind of ship this was, and it seems like a little bit of a kit bash. You're saying it's business in the front, party in the rear? Party down below, really. Yeah, yeah. Like everything below the waterline seems very hood-like. Yeah, and every it does. everything on the top side—it's like the iceberg, Ben. Yeah, this, this ship is showing its professionalism and hiding its party. They arrive in this system, and there's a uh, a brief bit of comedy when one of the ensigns on the bridge eats shit, drops her iPad. Uh, this is the reference to Sonia Gomez spilling that coffee. It's weird, like, the direction Sonia takes it, though, because instead of, like, spilling her own coffee, Sonia Gomez just pisses her pants in a, in a <laughs> Billy Madison kind of move. Sonia yeah, Gomez, yeah. big fan of Billy Madison. She wants to be considered Miles Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much thought they put into needing this scene to remind us of who Sonia Gomez is. Actually, it's it's my fault, sir. The referential humor this show typically does is like, here it is. If you don't remember, that's on you. Right. But this is a scene that seemed very specifically like, hey, hey, idiot, know who this is. This is important. Right. Yeah. In a way, it isn't usually, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, Sonia Gomez is in peril in a way that is not dissimilar from like the captain of that other California class ship in season one. Right. And you think we need to care about her? Like like the reason we need to make sure everyone knows who this is is because everyone needs to be brought on board for caring about her when she's in trouble. Right. Because that captain kind of becomes a punchline. Like if she dies, it's like like the show is not going to have a funeral scene for her. But Sonia Gomez for sure would get one. That's a good call. I like that reasoning. 
just a hunch. Rutherford and Tendi are on their tour of the ship, and it kind of started to cause my romance spidey senses to go off. Yeah. The ducking into a Jeffrey's tube and recalling the time they watched a pulsar in there. And then Rutherford saying, let's go somewhere off limits. That sounds very, very horny to me. Yeah. I mean, being someplace off limits just spikes the titillation, doesn't it, Ben? It does. It's a it little, makes it uh, bad. It makes a little it excitement. Bad. Yeah. Part of the reason they're sneaking around is that Dr. Katz has been following them around by yeah. scent. And, that, and that's another reason, Ben, your spidey sense is probably tingling. That Dr. Katz is probably sensing the their pheromone activity of oh, these yeah. two. Dr. Katz loves f- smelling pheromones. Yeah. Out on the bridge, they see a new disaster begin. The sun in this system, the lap system, shoots out a solar flare it causes a protoplanet to explode in a very praxisy explosion. But Captain Gomez doesn't have time to turn her into the wave. She doesn't even have time to say, my God. Yeah, you know what? Like, give Captain Gomez some credit here. Sulu spilled his tea all over the fucking place <laughs> when his praxis exploded. Check out Gomez here. No tea spilled when her praxis yeah. visits her. Yeah, the ship is knocked out and... uh Turns out there's no coffee in this nebula. (laughs) I've never heard a more perfect moment to go to interstitial than that. (laughs) It's just really well done. Just a natural affinity for it. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from... What am I going to have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals? And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning. In your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? 
Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So she's talking to her XO and he's like, he's like, everything is off. Like 100% of anything that is on that would be on on this ship is off now. It's as broken as any ship has ever been while still having living occupants inside. Seriously. And they are headed toward the planet. Not only is everything broken on the inside, but Ben, this is such an interesting exterior to the ship in this moment because it is a real sickening spin that the ship is doing like Malibu Picard's shuttle in Times Squared. Yeah, that three-axis tumble is... is we Not see good. it so rarely in Star Trek, but every time we do, there is something that is just not right about it that <laughs> that just makes me feel a little queasy. And yeah. this is a show that gets that. Absolutely. There is a brief moment of dread, and then Sonia Gomez captain speeches her bridge crew, like, let's tackle this problem. Okay, that's enough existential dread. Let's get back to work. She's great. This is the moment that that makes us love her, right? It's compounding, right? It's the being kind to a to a clumsy coworker, but it's also this moment together. And also the three boob thing. <laughs> God, that would have been that would have been such a tweak by the show to do that. <laughs> the Titmouse people are like, uh, look. I mean, I, I'm very excited that we're bringing back Sonia Gomez, but what my theory presupposes is... It's the same character <laughs> as Total Recall. Yeah. <laughs> Three-boob Gomez only exists in animatic form, right? <laughs> we'll see that at a convention sometime. <laughs> a Whoa, the rare early cut of this episode that uh, <laughs> the animation isn't complete, but shows some stuff they were thinking about doing. Oh, like really interesting uh, previs artwork for Lower Decks here. Wow, Three Boob Gomez is like $9,000. <laughs> Holy shit. You could buy a cell from the show that they never used. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Cerritos is stuck outside of this planetoid asteroid belt that's formed. Like someone listening to a friend in the other room have sex. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Just they, totally uh, they, out there. They get this newly formed 
protoplanet asteroid field up on the view screen and there's a sock hanging on the doorknob. (laughs) (laughs) And we get this really, really efficient scene where we kind of cut around the bridge. We learn the rules. They can't go through this field without having the same thing happen to them as happened to the Archimedes. And they have 20 hours to save this ship before it impacts the very planet they're trying to make first contact with, which would really be a bad look for the Federation. Yeah. This is a great scene of everyone offering suggestions. We get suggestion scenes all the time in Star Trek, but very few, if any of them, ever end with someone saying, I don't know. The most elementary and valuable statement in science, the beginning of wisdom is, I do not know. And Mariner provides the punctuation at the end of this scene by saying that in a way that really makes you feel something different in this moment. There has to be something we can do, right? I... I don't know. It's a loss of hope. It is a moment of of real panic, but Freeman and Mariner head down to the captain's yacht. I guess the captain thinks maybe if they have a smaller ship, they could get through. And Mariner is telling her all the reasons why that won't work. When they enter the yacht, this is the off-limits place that Rutherford and Tendi went. I mean, this is the place to get romantic with a person you've not gotten romantic with before, right? Do you think this is post-coital ice cream they're eating? (laughs) Yeah, Freeman Freeman opens up the door. It stinks like sex in here. <laughs> Computer, UV lights. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting bit of tension here with Rutherford and Tendi having stowed away and kind of eavesdropping on this argument that Freeman and Mariner are having. And it's not worse than any other fight they've ever had, but it's just prolonged. It's just going and going and going. And yeah. It ends only when Rutherford bursts in after having been inspired by Mariner's personality blind spot being thrown in her face. My biggest laugh of the episode here when (laughs) Rutherford says this. We have to drop our defenses, like how Mariner has to do with people. Ah, you heard that, huh? The plan is quickly put together that they have to remove the hull of the ship. And they confirm this with Chief Engineer Billups, but... uh, Pretty quickly, the order goes out, drop what you're doing, whether that is eating in the restaurant or competing in a ballroom dance competition, put on your first contact spacesuit and go outside and start removing the plating. On today's Ask This Old House, (laughs) our homeowner wants to remove the existing siding off of the outer hull. (laughs) But with a hailstorm of planetoids just outside, they'll need the entire neighborhood to help. (laughs) We've arrived with a camera crew And that has gotten some real interest From some of the neighbors Who have rolled up their sleeves To help get this done Now to remove a vinyl panel You're going to want to find the access hatch Pull up the outer cylinder Turn it counterclockwise Until it descends back into the mechanism Then turn it clockwise So that the inner cylinder Can also descend back into the mechanism For some reason Rich Trithui is in the whale pool, splashing around totally naked. (laughs) That guy just really likes to be a part of whatever culture he's around. He seemed really pissed off when the ballroom dancing got canceled. We get a really fun scene outside the ship where hundreds of people are out there 
unscrewing yeah. these panels and a really fun scene between Billups and Rutherford where Rutherford confides that his tax documents folder is full to bursting. Last year, I lost all my memories of tending. So whenever I make a new one, I save three copies just in case it happens again. And that's been the reason why he can't see as well as he used to. And Billups gives him... like. Every once in a while, a character has a line of dialogue that is like just beautiful and efficient and inspiring. And what Billups tells Rutherford in this scene about making new memories, I just thought was great. What if I forget her again? Son, if you can't keep making new memories, doesn't matter. Meanwhile, on the Archimedes, Gomez and her XO are working on their side of this problem. Like they're totally working independently, which I think is interesting. Like there's no yeah. communication between them. They're both trying to solve the problem their own way. And Gomez and this XO are in their shuttle bay. Their idea is maybe if we can get these shuttles going, the shuttles can be used to move the ship out of the way or something. And yeah. this is another idea dead end for them. It's just not looking good. There's not much they can do. We need so. this moment to act as an ellipses though, because when we cut back to the Cerritos, Cerritos is naked, Ben. <laughs> There's no plating on that body. It's down to its birthday suit, which is the, the inner hull is like orange. I thought mm-hmm. it looked great. Yeah, really cool. Um, a really interesting look. Definitely going to be a, a, a fun toy to see on display at, a, at an STLV sometime in the future, I imagine. Yeah, I think so. It seems like a lot of progress has been made on the ship. Zero progress made on the fight between Mariner and Freeman. And yeah. this comes to a head with them with Mariner just scorching the earth. Yeah, really burning the working with mom bridge in this scene. I am glad this is your last mission here because I never want to work with you again. Beckett! Mariner scorches the earth with someone that she's supposed to care a lot about and then deletes her Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> The last hull panel won't come off, Adam. It nearly kills a uh, Bajoran crew member who Billups saves, and then uh, he announces over comms to uh, the bridge crew that there's nothing he can do. So everybody that's outside the ship is evacuated inside, and they're going to have to try and remove this hull plate from the back. (laughs) If you can't remove it from the front, wait till you remove it from the back, Adam. Yeah. But in transit, Rutherford deletes his memory files, and we get a super fun bit of Event Horizon style fast cuts and moments yeah. that we see flash by. And uh, I stopped on a number of these. Most of them are, are scenes that we've seen before. One of them was a very fun moment where Rutherford and Tendy are both uh, drawing Ransom's nude body in an art class. <laughs> Really? Yeah, that was really great. Didn't and get then that. at the very end, there's a there's a video clip there that is very apparent that Rutherford is not meant to see. It's the installation of his implant by a couple of shadowy figures. It seems that Rutherford has been schismed. Starfleet, a terrible track record of implant hygiene, yeah. of tech hygiene in general. Uh, yeah. Rutherford's implant should be air-gapped, obviously. <laughs> it really should. It's a problem. Yeah. They make it to cetacean ops. We finally get to see what this looks like, Adam. These whales, Ben, Kamalu <laughs> and Matt, are the greatest. They yeah. are the ones that work in this area. These are beluga whales there. And 
there's like a, a series of tunnels down there filled with water and yeah. they're they're working with our core four to figure out a solution to the problem because this this hatch is is buried underwater and someone's going to have to go down to free it and it's not going to be those whales ben i would say that these whales character needs are kind of like an equal part save the ship and convince rutherford to jump into the pool with them nude to, to have sex yeah yeah these are very horny whales. They're very horny specifically for Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I kind of wished Tendi had like expressed a little jealousy or something yeah. in this scene for that reason. <laughs> so this panel is stuck from the inside. And speaking of unsticking something that needs to be let go, then mm. mm. Mariner's friends convince her that they can take care of the problem in Cetacean Ops. She's got to go and make things right with her mom. That's the most urgent thing in this scene. Go apologize to your mom. Right. I thought that this was a, I mean, I think that this scene like proceeds well and like, I'm fine with it at the end of the day. Like, I don't give a shit, but like the apology to mom must come now argument is very silly if you take one step back. Yeah. I wish something else had made it crucial for Mariner to be on the bridge. And yeah. like after she scorches the earth, if she had been made to remain at her station there, like it only would have increased the tension. Yeah. Like, like I don't think we need greater emphasis on how close these friendships are between our core four characters. Like we get it. We love them. They love each other. Like we don't need the frosting on that cake here. You're right. Yeah. All that being said, it is that dynamic that gets her out of the room and Boimler down the tube to do this work because uh, Cetacean Ops was not designed accessibly for belugas. Can't these two do it? They can't operate the thing that needs to be operated here. Uh, yeah, it wasn't designed for flippers. I loved Boimler's pre-Olympics race arm flap move before <laughs> yeah, diving he, in. It was he so really fun. Phelpses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great detail. I wonder, yeah. like, is that in the script or is that something that the animators come up with? Like, I always wonder... Like, this episode, maybe more than most Lower Decks episodes, has so many very Simpsons-like asides like that where, like, I was just watching an episode of The Simpsons the other day where Homer, like, stops his car in the middle of the highway to look at a a billboard and a, one of those trucks that carries cars has to stop short behind him and cars loaded up by stopping short. They can't stop. So they load up the truck and and it just cuts to the inside of the cab and the driver's like, (laughs) find his keepers. I can't wrap my mind around, is that in the script or is that just something that they come up with in animatic or in the table read or what? And there are so many moments like that in this episode. I feel like it's the sign of a show's like comedy maturing and its, and its production process being really well designed to allow for creative, funny moments to just be peppered in. It's got to be so much fun to create this way where you're you're constructing scenes of comedy that are like the clear pages in the encyclopedia where like there's the comedy of the dialogue and the situation but yeah. i gotta believe in a scene like this this is just like in the margin you're going through the script and you're punching it up and you're punching it up and you're punching it up but then you get to this moment and i can imagine in the margin someone just wrote can he do the phelps thing here right and then you're, you're just like moving on you're just like trying to additively 
increase the comedy of every moment because it's by the time this goes out to animation, it's too late. Like I think it has to exist somehow on the page before going out, right? I wonder because another thing I noticed in this episode that I mean I, I've noticed throughout the run of this show is how good the physical acting of these characters is. And that is something that has to happen in animation. Like they, so maybe they like get it up on its feet in animation and then see if there's something that they think could be funnier in a scene and re-record dialogue if they need to. I mean, the flexibility is there. We need to get Mike McMahon in here for an interview. I've got, I've got hardcore production interview questions. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. So this is one of those, like, are they going to make it in time? Boimler tugging away on this cylinder, the Cerritos approaching the field, and it's ransom steering with a joystick. Computer, access manual steering column. They need to get that panel off so that these rocks don't come hit their ship. They've got the whole view screen removed, and they've evacuated the atmosphere on the bridge so that they can see out the front. And Mariner and Jennifer are are like spotting from the edges of the bridge. I I love the strange necessity of that. (laughs) I thought it'd be kind of fun if they'd had like phasers so that they could like hit small objects or something. Right. But just in time, the panel comes away. This releases a bunch of material that hits Boimler's suit, rips a hole in it, and looks like he gets zoned. It took me a second to get the reference, but yeah, he totally gets zoned. <laughs> like Steve Zahn in Crimson from, from Tide. Crimson Tide, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have a great bonus episode on uh, about that for supporters of The Greatest Discovery. If you go to the Maximum Fun uh, bonus content page, listen to our episode about Crimson Tide. It's great. It's so crazy how in a 26-minute episode, the last three minutes that we described, it is just breakneck paced. There is so much <laughs> happening all at once. It really is. The the Chris Westlake score is just like in full thrum. Like I was feeling real tension here in a yeah. great way. Kimolu and Matt's dialogue really made me think about how densely this show is written because- they have like paragraphs on screen when they say stuff that go mm-hmm. that went by too fast for me to read them live. Like I had to pause and go back for most of the things that they said. Like we are moving quick and, uh, you know, it's a real get in loser. We're going to do first contact kind of a moment. In the way that Billups had to unlearn LARP speak for, <laughs> for parts of the ship. I love how the whales can only speak about things in whale and yeah. like all of their life-saving measures for Boims are are super whale-like yeah. <laughs> suggestions. Captain Freeman Day is for calves. <laughs> Spray Boimler with water. <laughs> yeah, keep him wet. <laughs> His blowhole's broken. Yeah. It's the big the resuscitating Boimler scenes looked a lot like the scenes in Abyss uh, when that lady chokes on water. It's interesting how how like we get a little bit of hope in a scene that is totally surrounded by a greater sense of hopelessness because at exactly this moment is when Mariner gets sucked out of the view screen. Yeah. And we start to believe that we're losing her. It's a long moment down in Cetacean Ops before we come back to Mariner and it looks like she's gone. And just at the last minute, a hand reaches out and grabs her. It's Jennifer. We rack in on Mariner and she's like, nah, fuck this. And Mariner (laughs) releases Jennifer's hand and is just (laughs) smashed between two asteroids. Yeah. She'd rather die. 
the last shot of Mariner is actually just her extended middle finger on her severed hand <laughs> floating in space. Her severed, slowly freezing hand <laughs> into a permanent middle finger. You got Mariner, Jennifer. The USS Archimedes starts to enter the atmosphere and we cut to the surface of planet Lap. Is this the same kind of alien as the smuggler that we met on the uh, Mugatu planet? Oh, good call. Maybe. Kind of looks like it might be the same kind of guy. It looks like the the kind of dinosaur that got Newman from Seinfeld in Jurassic Park. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking asshole. Go chase a stick. Yeah. A Dilophosaurus, Adam. Another beautiful exterior with the ship entering the atmosphere, like from yeah. both space and the surface. You get both angles of it. And, you do. And things are bad on the Archimedes. The nacelles are flying off. The heat's increasing. We're getting that moment where everyone's about to close their eyes, you know? But uh, just then, the ship swaps the orange glow it's engulfed in from entering the atmosphere for a blue glow. The blue glow of a tractor beam. It always feels good to be blued. Sometimes you can really feel something intense if, like, you make it so that you're close to death mm-hmm. while you're right. being while you get blued. Yeah, yeah. Like if your if your oxygen supply is, has dwindled right. to almost nothing. If all of your systems have failed and right. you're and you're right on the verge of death, like <laughs> that, it can be a huge relief to be blued at that moment. It it, it can be amazing. <laughs> But it is risky, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be blued too late. No. No, but the Cerritos is there just in time, Ben. They did it. They they're did not, it. They're not going to leave the Archimedes tied to a belt to a, a door handle inside some weird hotel. <laughs> <laughs> they're certainly not going to let the media run with that as being the cause of death. No. No, we we get like there's a passage of time here. We basically cut to the away team and first contact. They've given first contact to Freeman. I'm proud of you, Mom. You saved the day, kept it together. I guess I understand why command was so impressed. I love this. This is right, right? You don't yeah. get the moment where Gomez says, you should do this, not me. Like, I insist. Right. You don't need yeah. that scene. Just go to the away team. What would you have thought of it if there had been a scene where Captain Freeman and Captain Gomez had been standing next to each other and Captain Freeman reached down and like squeezed Gomez's hand and then walked forward by herself <laughs> to do the first contact? <laughs> I mean, I under... <laughs> That's because a perfect scene has never existed in Star Trek yet. (laughs) But that would have been one. That would have been good. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been amazing. So Freeman gets to play the Ubi Doobie song to the (laughs) Ubiquitians. She's got a pocket full of quarters and she's looking around for the juke. This seems like the kind of planet that is primed to really get down with the Ubi Doobie. Yeah, because these aliens want to drink and party. Yeah, they're party dudes. Yeah. Tendy's got to pay the piper, though. She's been avoiding Dr. Katz all day, but uh, now that they've had a, an emergency on the ship, she is working a six-bay shift, finishing up with a Bajoran patient when the doc comes and corners her, and the news is not as dire as Tendy had thought. No, she missed a huge part of the conversation that that she eavesdropped on. 
Uh, she's got Spock potential. She's got Jedzia potential. Which for a lot of people is a compliment. <laughs> so she's going to get to stay on the ship, but she's kind of being moved into a slightly different specialization. And uh, this is a moment about Dr. Katz really admiring how much talent Tendi has. Very sweet. I wonder how much this choice has to do with Dr. Katz being a strong enough character to exist on her own. As a going concern, like combining Tendi with Dr. Katz all the time now feels unnecessary. One does not need the other to tell a story. Right. Putting Tendi somewhere else and specifically on the bridge is an interesting choice. Yeah. I'm and into it. I think a nice a nice course correct for a franchise that has maybe spent too much time away from the idea of the primary mission of Starfleet being science and exploration. Yeah. So I'm really I'm really happy with this character move. I am too. Also really happy in this moment is Captain Freeman, who saunters into the commissary pretty drunk. More like Captain Drunkman, am I right, Adam? You are so right. God, the wordplay on this episode specifically. <laughs> just, just really high bar. <laughs> best in breed. We really brought it for the season finale. Yeah, we're really fucking crushing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) The hatchet gets buried between Jennifer and Mariner. Not in the back of either of their heads, as one might have predicted. Turns out they actually have some esteem for each other. They're going to make it work. You just, you conjure up all kinds of ideas about a person. You turn them into monsters without actually getting to know them. This This is the warning that this scene gives us. Mariner and Jen are cool, and they and they should have been cool with each other. Yeah, they don't need to be haters of each other. They can no. they can be uh, friendly rivals even. It's a relief, and over with Boimler, he is basking in the glow of being a hero figure. This episode, he saved the day. He saved the ship. I thought it was a little weird that he was kind of singled out as the hero when this was all Rutherford's idea. That's very true. Rutherford isn't the type to soak up that kind of uh, hero worship, though, right? I guess not. They gather around the captain who is about to get her big promotion, and she explains to them that she'd rather stick with the family she has here on the Cerritos. And it's a very big moment, very generous moment by her. But uh, Adam, this is Lower Decks. Characters don't get the thing that they have always wanted and have it not pulled out from under them. You've said it time and again, Ben. It's Lower Decks law to get your hopes up and then put those hopes into the ball-kicking machine. (laughs) That is where those hopes lie in this exact moment. Because when Freeman is on her way to tell the peeps from Starfleet Command that she's going to turn down that promotion, she is instead fitted for handcuffs. Yeah. Because... She's accused of colluding with the Klingons to set off a bomb on Paclid Planet. When did this happen? Today, 0900, while you were conveniently on a mission. I'm sure just as planned. Which seems like an insane accusation for a number of reasons, but maybe like the top line reason is that the chances that the Pakleds accidentally exploded a bomb on their planet have to be so high yeah. that your evidence against anything besides that has to be huge. Yeah. Overwhelming. (laughs) I thought it was pretty insane that Commander Jason Statham came over with a PowerPoint presentation of what his evidence was. 
He did bring Madeline's for the group, though. That was nice. That was, yeah, it was a classy move. But a, a moment of great indignity for Captain Freeman when the doors open and the crew is gathered there to well-wish her, and instead they see her getting perp-walked by Commander Jason Statham. I was really surprised and delighted about how this episode ended because when we watch her get walked away and we watch her warp away with our crew and then we pull back into the wide shot i got the chills like this yeah. is this is an episode speaking the star trek language of the cliffhanger and speaking it fluently in a way that really worked. It is a really dark ending. And we were talking about at the beginning, like this episode is so good at knowing how to flip back and forth between the joke moment and the high drama moment. And ending on this felt like, man, what a strong season. Holy mackerel. Yeah. But was it a strong episode, Ben? Did you like it? really did this may be my favorite episode of lower deck so far it's a great pick it's really good i mean i i got big laughs out of it i got caught up in the suspense of it i was totally edge of my seating it when the episode mm -hmm. was looking for that reaction in me and uh yeah i mean i'd say that the the main ways you improve this episode are find a slightly different mechanic for getting Mariner back up onto the bridge to apologize to mom. And that one moment at first contact with a hand squeeze would have been big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the I, episode is called First First Contact. I would say write the episode around that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never forget about Lily. We never have. Never. We're never going to let Zephram Cochran's bullshit live that down. This Lily erasure will not stand. Ben, I really loved the episode, too, for all the reasons stated. I mean, we've been reluctant to come down hard one way or the other, just in general, but also specifically in our review of episodes that have stories that are unfinished, and this being a cliffhanger, you know, I want to say it's hard to judge it because it's because the story is incomplete, but as an episode, it's really, really well done, and it just emphasizes how many good things Lower Decks can do and how well Lower Decks can tell a Star Trek story. Yeah, it's really virtuosic. In many ways, it is the best of what Star Trek is, you know? It, both in terms of the way it tells a story and how it works visually. It's just really tremendous. Yeah. I really love this show. Yeah, it's a banger. Well, Adam, uh, you want to see if we have any bangers in the P1 inbox? I'm gonna have to swim all the way down there and then and then hang a left <laughs> yeah. to get to the P1s this time. This is what you're doing. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Well, we just have one P1 here, Adam, and it is from Defested. Hey, Defested! Defested! This is two episodes of Greatest Discovery in a row that Defested has gotten a, a P1. There's our buddy. And uh, the uh, message is to anyone that has accidentally spent an extra $100 and instead of asking for a refund, just rolled with it. <laughs> I know that feeling. The message goes like this, Adam. Sup. Sup, Defested. What's up with you? Thanks, Defested. Thank you for rolling with it. That's really uh, awfully generous of you. 
Hey, let's throw let's throw Defested another promo. Last week, Defested did a promo for their Twitch, along with Rob's, 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 Rob's Twitch and Phantom Director's Twitch. Right. Follow follow Defested and those other people on Twitch. Yeah, Defested's great people and uh, a super fun hang, and they're doing fun work over on Twitch. I mean, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, uh, Defested's Twitch wasn't compromised in the giant crazy data leak yeah yeah change your password defested that's my advice (laughs) yeah i tried to change our password on twitch and it wouldn't let me yeah we were really unnerving feeling yeah just wait until people see how little we make off of twitch (laughs) you gotta keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling that that document yeah we are down at the bottom hey ben what's that adam did you discover yourself at Edward Larkin? Yeah, I did. I want to give it to uh, the, I don't know, the president, the premier of the Lapirians. Mm-hmm. That guy's great. What a great hang. Total party dude. Great first impression, right? Yeah. These guys, listen, maybe some people on the fringes of your society are into Mugatu smuggling. We can't be sure. Mm-hmm. But- First impression-wise, you guys are doing great. Yeah, the dark scene we don't get is this guy, like, pouring a big, frosty, upside-down, hollowed-out Magatu horn with <laughs> with their beverages. Yeah. Taking a baby Mugatu and throwing it in a blender and making a baby Mugatu smoothie and drinking it. Just Mugatu eggs mixed in <laughs> to the cocktail for a nice bit of froth. Oh, what a sick fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. about you, Adam? Did you have an Edward Larkin? I'm going to split mine between Camelo and Mac, the horny belugas. <laughs> Give. I hope we see them again. They yeah. are a delight. Yeah. I, I love how they talk about things. I love their observations on the situation. I no. love how they try to steer everything toward their weird <laughs> beluga interests. <laughs> That's a bit that I think can keep on giving. Yeah. A uh, big fan. Not a big fan of uh, of whales in captivity, obviously. I'm hoping that this is a situation where- These are uh, the sentient whales that are there of their own volition. They're in Starfleet. They have ranks. I know. Don't- Jump up my ass about saying that, dude. Listen, man, I don't think that cats should have jobs as doctors, so <laughs> I'm like really kind of offended by the whole Dr. Tiana situation. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. <laughs> I'm not offended at all. It seems Jennifer like Jennifer seems to be, be an there. insect and they are just working her. It's very exploitive. Oh, jeez. Forget I ever said it. <laughs> Forget I ever said it and then really dump a pile of shit on me in the credits. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, well, these are going to be the last credits we have for uh, season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. So I'm going to do my best to really knock them out of the park. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. And if you're new to the show because of the Max Fun block party or for any reason, we are so pleased to have you. Welcome. We have a few fun merchandise items on sale over at podshop.biz, and we're coming up with new stuff to put in there all the time, so check back often. Our music is by Adam Ragusea, and the only thing we love more than his music is his food. Search Adam Ragusea on YouTube, 
and you're going to learn a ton of great recipes, cooking techniques you can apply to other recipes, and tons of interesting information about food and cooking. It's really great. At Greatest Trek is where you find us on Instagram and Twitter, and those accounts are run by our card daddy, Bill Tilly. The listeners of this show make it possible. If you want to show your support, head to MaximumFun.org join, where your membership gets you access to tons of bonus content. Listen, I don't know what Adam is going to do with his portion of your support. Probably fly to Washington, D.C. to protest cartoon animals having jobs or something. Like, get over it, dude. It's not real. But I promise I'll use your money to make sure that this podcast keeps going and keeps covering all the new Star Trek we have coming up. There's so much, and I can't wait to watch it all. Because of our big producer hiring push, there won't be a new Greatest Discovery episode next week, but we'll be back the week after that with a whole new series to cover, Star Trek Prodigy. You know, for kids. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.